Coming up on this episode of the HWWP. Uh, we have this thing in healthcare and medicine called the Coke postulates that someone needs to be able to take my process that I say I, I created that will make it rain and they need to be able to produce my process independent of me and get the same result. That's just one part of that approach. And but my, my point very simple is it's more than just me giving an opinion, more than just me being a nice person that you got to prove it. Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD, where the doctor helps you unlock your full potential by equipping you with tools and knowledge in the areas of health, wealth, and wisdom. Anchored in his experience as a business executive, a physician surveyor for the Joint Commission, a former mayor, and over 50 years of experience as a general surgeon. You've got questions, he's got answers. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. So let's look at specifically now the application of wellness or wellness strategies or wellness, or well-being leadership uh, to responding to COVID. So what are the important things of responding to COVID? And let's say you're in the workplace. Let's, let's make it specific. Let's say you're in the work. And this is regardless of what your job is. Obviously, there are some job titles that have the title of leadership with it, or the understanding is um, um, leadership as responsibility. I'm going to suggest to you that every interaction involves leaders and followers. Every interaction with other human beings involves leaders and followers. So I'm not talking about just people in the C-suite or the president or the boss. I'm talking about everybody. Okay. So regardless of what your job is and, and regardless of what 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 area uh, of work you are involved with, uh, think in terms of it that um, you need to have a leadership strategy and in dealing with COVID. And so number one in that leadership strategy is lead with facts and not fear. And another way of saying this is clearly define the problem or clearly define what it is you want to do or clearly define what the issue is. I think it was Albert Einstein who once said, if I had 60 minutes to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes defining that problem. And what's his point? His point is that if you don't clearly define the problem, you won't be able to solve the problem because you won't know what the problem is because you haven't defined it. (laughs) Makes sense? So the, the first part of COVID wellness leadership strategy is to lead with facts. Get the facts, uh, not fear. Uh, Fear tends to uh, move and speak without thinking. And you can tell people who are afraid uh, because they're sort of bouncing off the wall and they're saying a lot of things that may not make sense. And they're communicating in a way that certainly does not make you feel comfortable or may not make you feel comfortable. Um, uh, So so you want to be different. You want to be different. You you want to get the facts before you speak, um, and make sure you use good data and reliable sources of information. Make sure you use good data and reliable sources of information. So wherever that be with things like COVID, it would be healthcare, scientists. Um, it would be organizations like the Center for Disease Control, whose whose sole job is to protect us from um, uh, viruses and various infections and that sort of thing. 
Um, it, it, it would be universities that train um, uh, and medical schools that train us daily in terms of how to do that. Individuals who are qualified to deal with this particular problem. Uh, the second um, strategy is to follow tried and true methods. Now, this is one of the things that distinguishes healthcare from a lot of other fields. Uh, that what we were taught in medical school, that if I come up with a way to uh, make it rain and I uh, write a paper about how I'm able to make it rain and I go to places like Palm Spring or Phoenix in the summertime and I said, don't worry, because I can make it rain. Um, um, uh, people are not going to necessarily believe me unless I can demonstrate it. And more importantly, uh, we have this thing in healthcare and medicine called the Coke postulates that someone needs to be able to take my process that I say I, I created that will make it rain. And they need to be able to produce my process independent of me and get the same result. That's just one part of that approach. And my, my point very simple is it's more than just me giving an opinion or more than just me being a nice person that you got to prove it. And so we call that testing. Um, and particularly what it has to do with an infection or with some type of medicine, it has to be tested. Uh, and it has to be tested in different stages. And it may start with testing in animals uh, a certain way. And then it may move to another type of stage. And then the final stage would be testing maybe with humans a certain way. But my point is, it has to pass every single stage of testing um, before it can be accepted as strategy are appropriate for human use. So, so we need to follow basic methods that are true and tried. Third uh, process uh, strategy for dealing with COVID as a leader um, uh, and um, as a wellness leader is uh, to work to dispel rumors. Um, and you can sort of tell when people are sort of saying stuff that probably either doesn't make sense or certainly if they can't back it up. Do not be a part of that. And, and as a part of that, uh, you get into things like what we call healthcare disparities or where you, you make snap judgments about people uh, without knowing them. Uh, and this is many times where racism and xenophobia um, um, follow about uh, the virus, uh, about the COVID virus. Um, that there was no one group of people that made everybody else sick. You know, viruses occur. They've been around for hundreds of years, and they will continue to be around. Um, and so we need to move beyond what we call the fault and blame level and all communicate and work collectively to solve the problem. So don't waste your time and energy trying to point fingers at different people. Number one, you would never find out anyway if that were the case. And even if you did, it, it probably is, is not relevant, quite honestly. Number four, remember the importance of human connection. God knows if the COVID pandemic did not teach us anything, it taught us the importance of human connection. And I say that as someone who has always considered myself, I've always considered myself um, 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 someone who um, was uh, was fine just being by myself. Uh, I'm, I'm an introvert. I really don't need to interact with other people on a regular basis, blah, 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 blah. But to be honest with you, everybody 
needs to be an extrovert um, on occasion because it is therapy. It is therapy. It helps to get us out of our stuff. Uh, it helps uh, to uh, broaden our perspective. It educates us. It makes us feel better. Um, it gets our dopamine levels going up uh, to make our amygdala. And we talked about this some podcasts ago um, so that our brain feels better. It makes us feel good. And if you doubt that, remember when everybody was on lockdown and most people were sort of severely restricted. Um, and then when you came back to uh, your workplace or um, um, socializing the way you normally do, your church, your club, you're going to the gym. Remember how good you felt when that occurred. Um, and the reason is, I believe now, that as humans, we are designed for human connection. We are designed for uh, socializing. And quite honestly, I didn't necessarily believe that 20, 30 years ago. But I have become convinced that that is important um, in that body-mind connection. It is important in that wellness connection, if you will. And it may very well be more on the mental and the spiritual part uh, as compared to the physical, but it is vital. So remember the importance of human connections, and not just when we, we're not together, but to the extent of maximizing that connection when we are together, where, where we think positive and not negative, where we don't let the little things bother bother us so it ends up being a distraction or ends up causing us to waste 30 minute lunch or dinner with friends or colleagues uh, and ends up being a serious distraction. So remember the importance as number four of human connection. The fifth strategy of COVID wellness leadership is to be candid about stress and remember adaptability. I call it having a conversation with the person in the mirror. Uh, when you are going through stuff, um, feel free to have that conversation with the person in the mirror. Now, word of caution, make sure you're by yourself <laughs> because if people see you talking to the person in the mirror, they may start thinking that that you you have other problems. But, but seriously, uh, have that conversation with the person in the mirror um, and, and, and remember the importance of, uh, of adaptability. It, and my point is it, it requires a certain degree of honesty. It requires a certain degree of honesty. And the reason why I use that exercise is that when I look at myself, I, I, I say to myself, okay, tell me the truth. What, what really is your problem with X, Y, and Z? And many times that can allow you to give yourself permission, to give yourself permission uh, to say what's really going on and to tell the truth. Once you can identify the problem, then you can work on ways to mitigate that problem and to make things better. Next, number six, is to focus on self-care. Many of you are what I call givers. And I, I suspect that this particularly applies to mothers uh, and or parents, uh, mothers and fathers, I might add. Uh, you're givers. And what I mean by that is that you want to make sure that everybody else is okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that, you know, God bless you. And 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 thank goodness that there are givers like you in the world. Um, but my point is, you also want to take care of yourself. And so you want to give yourself permission to take care of yourself. 
And I phrase it that way because as a giver, you don't want to think of most of the time, uh, you know, uh, individuals like yourselves, you don't think of you say, no, 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 I got to get this done. I got to take source over there and I got to go see my sister and I got to take care of my mom and and the people at work want me to pick this up and bring it the next month, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason why uh, you want to focus on self-care because you want longevity, longevity. We want you to continue to give because that's important. And it's an important role that you have. But for you to do that, you must uh, also do self-care. Give yourself permission to say, I am worthy to stay healthy, wealthy, and wise, to use a phrase. Okay? So give yourself permission to take care of yourself, to take a break, uh, to say, well, no, I'm sorry. And, and, And let me also parenthetically add, and I used to say this to my patients all the time, particularly when they came into the office, uh, and they would be very stressed, and they would just want to talk. Many times stress uh, or self-stress that we have uh, is caused by difficulty saying no. Think about that. Difficulty saying no. Because, see, you have what you need to do, and you already know what you need to do, and you're doing those things. But oftentimes the stress comes when people are asking you to do things for them. And these people may not necessarily be your boss, you know, just because everybody knows that you're one of those good people and you you'll help any way you can. Um, uh, you have to get out of the habit of saying yes to everybody. And it's OK to say no. And if you say no, it does not mean you're a bad person. Uh, you can say no with a smile. You can say no with a handshake or a hug. <laughs> uh, but no means no. Right. No means no. And so what it does is. It allows you to empower yourself to set limits, to set limits and guidelines. Why? Because as I mentioned before, that is requisite for survival. And not only is it requisite for survival, it allows you to operate on a higher, um, more excellent level than if you're trying to do everything all the time because everybody wants you to do stuff because they know that you're just one of those people who helps everybody else out. So, so just try practicing that. And I would, I would suggest that you'll feel good once you do that. Um, I, it may be a little difficult initially because it is something that you don't do often, but practice saying no. Um, somebody wants you to go to uh, um, a meeting with them or, or they want you to give a speech or uh, they want you to come over and do X, Y, Z. Just say no. Give yourself permission to have a mental health break. Give yourself permission to just take care of you. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because we need people like you. So it's important for you to provide to focus on self-care. The next COVID wellness leadership strategy is to look out for others. Now, we just previously talked about focus on yourself, but not only do you look out for others, but you look out for those who are less fortunate than you. And trust me, they're all around you. They're all around you. Um, they're around us every day. But amazingly, most times we don't see them uh, because we're very, very busy. We're rushing here and there and we're doing this and we're doing that and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But these are individuals many times who may be in our inner circle. They may be in our family, but they are hurting. They are hurting. Uh, They may be people that you know personally. They may be people you do not know personally, but you come in contact with them. So what what I'm saying is uh, ask yourself and ask others, uh, who else can I help? Who else can I help? 
Um, I particularly concentrate on individuals who are elderly. My definition of elderly is 60 years of age and older. Um, individuals who are children. And one of the things about children is that children, regardless of how large they are or how old they uh, are or how old they appear to be, uh, are still children. And their mental capacity is that of children because they're not adults. They've not gone through the things that we've gone through. So a lot of things they just don't know. Uh, so, so my point is that they need special care and attention. And also, please think about the ones who are less fortunate, who are, you probably see every single day. That lady who sits at the front desk or that gentleman who sits at the front desk. When you come through the doors of work, say good morning to them. Say, how are you? Ask them how they're doing. Um, uh, give them a smile. Uh, you'll be amazed at how therapeutic that is. Because most times you do not know what they're going through. You don't know what their day was like. You don't know what they had to do to get to work on that particular day. Um, and I, I learned this many years ago, and I would make it a habit. Um, um, and, and again, being from the South, this is something we normally do. We speak to people. I remember when I was in New England, um, and, and, uh, even when I came to California, people said, but well, do you know him? I said, no, but, but you spoke to him like you knew him. And I said, well, I just speak to everybody. If you look at me, I'm going to speak to you. Um, uh, but that was a habit again. I, I grew up from Nashville, Tennessee, but I'm going to suggest that everybody adopt that habit. Because when you smile or speak or say hello, it's a gift. It's a gift. And you don't have to know the person to do it. Give that gift freely. Uh, because, again, on that particular day, that may have been the worst day of their life. Um, and you may very well be able to help them or, or just make it a little easier for them to deal with what they need to deal with. Another COVID wellness leadership strategy is... Um, uh, to make plans for recovery. You, you want to look at when things are going to get better. And that's one of the reasons to sort of keep us moving forward, that this too shall pass, as they say. However dark and however bad it is, this too shall pass. Others have said things like um, weeping endures for a night. <clears throat> Excuse me. I remember that was a, a, a song, actually. They used to sing in my church back down south. Uh, weep it endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And I always think about that. And I pass that on to you, that whatever you're going through in your life and whatever difficulty you're having to deal with, yes, it is tough. Yes, it is hard. Yes, it is painful. But it will pass. It will pass. And the final uh, COVID leadership uh, strategy is stay resilient. Stay resilient. What do I mean by staying resilient? Um, uh, uh, tough stuff may happen again, and that's okay. Develop the attitude of bring it on. I'm ready. Bring it on. I got through this. I can get through that. And, and this is one of the ways to utilize those, those hard times, especially when you come out on the other side, is to look back and remember the fact that you came out on the other side. And you say, well, I climbed over that mountain, and if I get another mountain in front of me, I can climb over that one also. Inclusive leaders uh, or leaders have an inclusive style of, of, of leadership, and that is that they empower others. One of the best gifts in the world is to be able to give something to someone else, and we've touched on this a bit earlier. Listen to your team. Again, 
you want excellence now. Uh, and so you want to empower others. You want to listen to others. Uh, you want to be authentic. Uh, th- let me say this. I honestly believe that people can tell when you're faking. I really do believe this. Now, I may be wrong, but I always felt that I can tell when, when people were faking, when they, they when they were not authentic, or when they were not being true or honest with me. And that is one of the biggest turnoffs in the world. And it will cause the very opposite effect of what you're trying to develop with, with your group or your team. Um, but you have to be a giver. It means that you have to be able to give beyond yourself. And I'll, I'll share a bit more with, with some of my personal approaches in terms of my basic principles and things that I've learned. Um, and those things have helped me with uh, inclusiveness uh, in leadership. Um, another very, very important principle, our diversity is our strength. You've heard a lot about diversity and you've heard about a lot of organizations, I think, uh, uh, honorably have developed a, a chief diversity officers in their workplace. Um, um, uh, but diversity is a fact of life. I believe this is the way God made us. Um, uh, it, that was a reason for it. And I think it's something that we should em- uh, embrace um, as as comparative fearing. And diversity can be in many different ways. You know, uh, there's obviously racial diversity, there's sexual diversity, there's generational diversity. I'm a baby boomer. I like to say I'm a proud baby boomer. You know, I was born in the late 1940s. That, that, that'll tell you something. But there are other generations like uh, the millennials and the Gen X's and the Gen Z's. You know, my kids and grandkids are uh, in those other generations. And so there's there's diversity all around us. Uh, but it's important to recognize that and don't fear it. Don't run from it. Don't always look at the negative, but look at the positive, because I guarantee you that positive is there. As we talk about mind, body, and spirit, again, wellness, uh, look at the health in your body, not as something that you have to worry about, but look at it as an investment. Yes, <laughs> Look at it like your 401k. Uh, um, uh, it, it is an investment and you want that investment to grow. You want it to be strong. You want it to be sustainable over time. Um, uh, that, that your health is an investment in the future for you and those around you. You hear a lot when you hear when people talk about leaders and they talk about different leadership styles. You know, there's the controller and the analyst and the supporter and the promoter. I'm going to suggest and I've I've taken a number of those courses and gone to those conferences that there's no one style that's better than another style. You do you do what works for you. But what I am going to recommend that you be fungible. And what I mean about that or that your style be fungible that you be able to change those styles on a moment notice, depending on what your group needs. Sometimes your group may need a controller where somebody who says, I'll make that decision. Follow me. Let's go. Sometimes your, your, your group may, may need a, a an analyst where you say, no, let, let, me, let me take a look at that data again. Um, and let's go back over those charts and graphs. Sometimes y- your leadership may, may need a, a, a supporter. Where, where someone else may come up with an excellent idea and you say, Mary or John, that's that's a brilliant idea. Let's do that. And sometimes your, your leadership style may have to be the fourth style, the promoter, where you're the one with the, with the flag out front saying, you know, come join us because we're going to change the world. 
be flexible, be able to do whatever you need to do. And I think that's an important part of leadership. Indeed, I think when you see those individuals who say, no, there's only one way and that way is my way. uh, They usually are people who are very insecure. And most of the times uh, they will not achieve the goal that they want. um, And they probably is not as happy as they should be. Important to remember that when you look at as a leader at goal setting, and we all know this, is the SMART principles, um, S-M-A-R-T. I I used to say in my hospital, particularly um, when um, issues developed and they've been around for a long time, uh, I used to say, you know, aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Uh, So so why, why why don't we define this problem? Why don't we fix it? And why don't we move on? And so one of the goal setting structures for SMART is um, S being specific. Again, you want to define what the issue is. What is it? Uh, where, when, and why? M is you want to measure it. Uh, if you can't measure it, then you can't improve it. A, you want something that's achievable. Uh, you don't want to try to boil the ocean. You can't boil the ocean. You can also, but you can boil a cup of tea. Um, so you want something that's achievable because you don't want to waste your time. Your time and your team time and effort is very valuable. You want something to be relevant. You want something that makes a difference that will help. Uh, and you want to set a time frame for it. For it. And this is very important. Uh, if you're going to achieve something, you want to set a time for it. And what I do, I set a time that pushes me or pushes the team. Um, uh, but but you can't say, um, well, we, we'll, we'll, we'll do it um, one day or we'll do it soon. And one of the things I always remember is some is not a number, soon is not a time. If you ask somebody, you say, you know, why don't we go up to dinner? And, and they say, oh yeah, yeah, well, we, we can do that. And you say, well, when, 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 when are you available? I said, soon, soon, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. You will never go out to dinner with that person. Soon is not a time, S-O-O-N. Uh, be specific. Set a time frame. We will do this in three months. We will do this in six months. We will do this in 30 days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Because that then gives you an incentive to move forward and get it done. So remember, happiness really is therapy. Happiness really is therapy. And I always like to mention one of my favorite songs many years ago from Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And most of us used to go around humming that tune. Um, and my my suggestion is that we should, we need to hum it more. Um, that that really is true, uh, because um, your happiness really depends on you. It depends on what you think. So the, so the benefits of wellness, and I'm beginning to conclude now, is really better physical health, decrease stress, improve mental health, higher productivity and improved relationships. Let me say it again. The benefits of wellness is better physical health, decreased stress, improved mental health, higher productivity, whatever you're doing, you'll be able to do it better and faster and smarter and more efficiently. Uh, And one of my favorites, improved relationships. In summary, it is important uh, that we engage in uh, wellness leadership. I believe the, the American Medical Association is right on the right on the money um, uh, by endorsing that as the premier form of leadership that we should exemplify 
whether in the hospital or outside the hospital, whether with your family, your friends, your co-workers, uh, whether at church, wherever you are, uh, that you be the leader and, and show how it's done. Um, there are different types of wellness. Uh, but remember that when we talk about wellness, we're talking about my body, mind, and spirit. Body, mind, and spirit. As always, I like to end with my basic principles, and I do this every single podcast, um, because I think it's important to tell you what I think and what I believe and what I found that works for me. My first uh, basic principle is God is in charge. I am a physician of faith, and indeed, it is my belief in God and my trust and faith in him that has sustained me these many years uh, and has brought me the joy and happiness that I have been blessed to have received. My second basic principle is I don't have any bad days. I believe in no bad days. Um, I discovered about 30 years ago that my days were good or bad if I said they were. So I decided that I did not want any more bad days. So my days are either great days or good days, but I don't have any bad days. Number three, I learned not to sweat the small stuff. I noticed that whenever something happened that I perceived as being bad or negative, that most of the times it was not that big a deal. It was not important. Uh, so I've learned not to sweat the small stuff. Number four, uh, forgiveness is therapy. I have also learned that whenever individuals say or do things to me that, again, I perceive as being negative, I have learned to forgive them immediately. That uh, indeed, uh, it is not as, as significant as I thought it was. And finally, my favorite, one of my favorites is everything is a relationship. Everything is a relationship. Leader, follower, it doesn't matter. It is a relationship. Uh, and relationships are based on three things, mutual respect, mutual trust, good communication. If you have those three things, you have an excellent relationship. If you do not have those three things, you've got work to do. Let me say, if you like these podcasts, we would encourage you to subscribe and go to www.buzzsprout.com forward slash 2101003. That's www.buzzsprout.com forward slash 2101003. And finally, be the change you want to see in the world. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Be sure to check out other great episodes covering areas of health, wealth, and wisdom at thwwp.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the books, blogs, and other literature in your preferred format. And don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, share, and support the podcast. That's at THWWP.com. You've been listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD.